bench, temperature test him. He's been hot. Can you believe it? Eddie's back. All hail Eddie. What about this from ball inside? 50, Cottrell! From nowhere! Cottrell from 45, directly in front. The Blues are up by a kicky Have a look at him! Back there for Cripps. Spins out of traffic. Through one. Pass another. Jones is class. Gets it back from Betts. G'day Blue Daggers and welcome to the Blues Footy Podcast. Your host Jed Zetzer here alongside my co-host Harrison Hymans. Bolt, welcome to the show. How are we, Zeus? Uh, mate, we've, had, we've been better. We have been better. We've been better. It's... I don't know where to... I don't know how to start off this podcast without saying, you know, this entire season has felt like one big case of two steps forward, five steps back every week. Yeah, it's, ha- it's it's happened quite regularly, hasn't it? You know, we've had we've had a nice win. You have these breakthrough performances and they just get slammed back to earth by North Melbourne two weeks ago and Gold Coast this weekend. And they're not even really breakthrough. I mean, they're not really breakthrough wins. No, like, they're not, not beating anyone decent. No, I know. It's just more, I guess, the nature of the of the win yeah, has no, been, has been pleasing. That. But, you know, the Gold Coast game on Saturday was, to put it frankly, atrocious. It was lifeless. It was just... I don't know. It looked lazy to me as well. Mm. You know, it's big-headed. It's just... It's typical Carlton, unfortunately. It was really disappointing. Just quickly, Blue Baggers, we apologise in advance for any uh, audio issues with this episode. The audio isn't going to be that great because we aren't able to do this together in the same room due to the recent COVID lockdown. But, um, yeah, hopefully we'll be, we'll be back in the studio in the upcoming weeks. Bolt... Uh, let's just quickly talk about the result. We're going to get on our special guest, Paolo Sebastiani, and I'm really looking forward to speaking to him because he hasn't been on the show yet. It's his debut, uh, but we're really looking forward to catching up with him shortly to get his thoughts on the game. He's a Carlton expert and definitely respects his opinion. So just before we get him on Bolt, if you had to really pick you know, one element of yesterday's game that essentially cost us the game what would it be well defending the the ground itself I just think it was a dirty day for our midfield group yesterday we were exposed and at the end of the day we were out outrun by you know a more workman like Gold Coast midfield so for me that's just where the game you know disappeared from our reach really yeah and that's a fair call it's a fair call I mean you know they they certainly outplayed us the Gold Coast, and, and I think you, you kept saying it during the game, but they kept running straight through the middle. It happens every week, and we'll touch on it later, but it just, it's been a gaping hole in Teague's mechanisms the last 18 months, and it's just something that hasn't been altered, hasn't been adjusted. Mm. We just make it far too comfortable for opposition teams to score against us. Yeah, and I think that was evident yesterday. It was literally on display, wasn't it? It's very frustrating, because it just... And we we almost, as a midfield group, we throw our defenders under the bus. 
because we I, allow I, I opposition, we allow opposition teams to enter the ball so directly and freely, and at the end of the day, uncontestedly. See, it's just ridiculous. Well, I compare it to our game against um, North Melbourne, right? People keep going back and saying, oh, Weedering kick, uh, Larky kicked seven on Weedering. I just don't think that was the case. Yes, he was his direct opponent, but if you look at the replay there, a lot of Larky's goals were as a result of our midfield just being completely outrun. And because Weedering backs in his midfield and he pushes up the ground, he's then caught out and Larky gets the goal out the back. So, I mean, I think it was, you know, that was almost a carbon copy of what happened against North. They just killed us through the middle. Yep, it was just another lethargic, uninspiring performance. And, you know, our midfield group, you know, despite, I guess, three of them specifically having markedly improved on last year's performances, as a group, we're still nowhere near where we need to be. Well, we are one of the worst midfields. Oh, in it's the definitely the skinniest midfield group. Mm. Mm. Well, Bolt, it is time now to bring in our very special guest for the show this week, Paolo Sebastiani. Thank you so much for joining us on the Blues Footy Podcast. No, no problems at all, gentlemen. It's a, it's a pleasure, even though, even though we do it in, uh, in sombre, sombre circumstances. But uh, we'll try and lift the spirits, nevertheless, eh? It is, it is. But I guess the, I guess these bad losses, for me, it helps me, I guess, read into the, you know, a Carlson supporter's, you know, mindset about the club, you know, to speak off the back of a loss like this. So I don't mind it personally, because I guess we get to see, you know, the true feelings. You know, we're not overhyped by a win. But I guess, you know, the season is probably done now in terms of, you know, those faint finals aspirations, which mm. is obviously disappointing. Yeah, I think it's, it's you know what, I think the, the, the harsh truths and reality come out in, in games like this. Yeah. And, and I think it's really the only way you you can forge forward as, as a football club and, and as members. And, and you know, and when, when I say football club, I don't just mean... I don't just mean the players and the coaches and executives. I mean the football club as a whole. You know, members and and supporters in, inclusive of that as well. And you know, it's it's it's. I think it's a it's stark. You know, fall from. It's not even a fall from grace. It's it's really a reality check as to as to where the club is at at the moment. Which is you know, it's disappointing for for all of us, and 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 it should be should be disappointing for for the guys and, and girls involved in, inside the footy club. It's just it's it's not good enough, gents. Oh, I com- I completely agree with you. It it is not good enough, and it just it begs the question. I mean, as Bolt said, you know, we we get these wins. I mean, against Collingwood and St Kilda, and you go a couple of steps forward, and then you go a couple of steps back. I mean, you've got to look at our season this year as a whole, and it's I guess a question of what could have been because we haven't really claimed any major scalps. We haven't really beaten anyone that we weren't meant to beat, but we've lost to a handful of teams who. You really would have hoped we would have beaten North Melbourne, Gold Coast, I guess, Collingwood. You know, if you win those three, and even if you beat one of Sydney or West Coast, you know, just yeah. you just claim one of those games, which are which are half half games, pretty even matchups. You know, you're almost playing finals, and uh, we had. I mean, you look back at the year now, and as it turned out, I reckon we've had a pretty soft draw um, as the seasons turned out. Paolo, do you just feel this year's just been a major wasted opportunity? Um. I think, you know what, like, you, you can look at it that way, and, and I think that's definitely a way to look at it, right? But but then you can look at it the other way and, and look forward and think, well, okay, well, we know what we dished up this year is, is clearly nowhere near finals football, nor is it anywhere near a premiership. So 
I think I think the grumbling and the groaning in in the supporter base and hopefully within the four walls of the football club, you know, sort of real they, they need to realise that, that the standards that they're setting, you know, off the field and then on the training track and then on the field on game day are just not good enough. And I think I think this year has has hopefully open open the proverbial eyes of, of the football club to realise that well what we're dishing up and what we've set inside the four walls of our football club is just it's 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 nowhere near where we want to be it's nowhere near the members expect us to be and it's nowhere near the Carlton football club with all its history should be and i think you know with all this external review that's going on as well i, I it needs to be used as a force for good um you know and i think in these moments that unity you know whether or not i mean people are going to be frustrated you know people are going to voice negative opinions people are going to voice positive opinions and that's going to be inside the four walls of the club as well not not just within the supporter base with, with us three and, and with our members it's going to be inside the club as well so i think i think people just need to put their hand up inside the football club and say no this is this is not good enough but how are we going to to use this year to our advantage and, and how are we going to get better? You, you've got to use it as a, you know, it's like, like the burning of the edges. It might feel uncomfortable yeah. early, but, you know, it, it's for the greater good, I think, that, that this has actually happened and we realise that we're not good enough because that's the only way you're going to get better. It is. And I guess Jed and I have touched on in the last few weeks especially how, I guess, moving forward past 2021, we've almost got to make these 50-50 calls where... You know, and I guess it's on certain players, certain staff members that, you know, they may not be the worst thing that we've ever seen, but they're not going to take us mm. to that next step. And that's where you've got to make those calls to actually progress yourself. And I think, you know, I think as as a supporter group, generally speaking, we get too comfortable with certain players. And I think, you know, we lower our standards. I, I, I always get a feeling, and I think this has just been a case because we've been so poor for so long, that if someone's just necessary if someone's just merely playing we kind of see them as you know we, we we kind of i think we overrate games played in a season if that makes sense like if we know someone's played 20 games in a season we're going to think oh yeah you know they're in our team we don't need to get rid of them but that's almost like the issue with the team in itself does that make any sense do you get what i'm trying yeah. to say it's like yeah I just think we get too comfortable with certain players and I think those players get too comfortable playing in our team because there's been no... You know, they haven't reached the ceilings that they've needed to. Yeah, well, I, I think that... And I've made mention of this countless times throughout, you know, Blue Broad Channel and throughout the year as well. I think our club's become a haven for for that sort of restricted free agent or free agent type yeah. of player where, you know, you're, you're getting paid... You know, and, and I know for some people this is a bit of a touchy subject, but I think it's you're getting paid, you know, three quarters of a million dollars a year or half a million dollars a year or whatever it may be, and you know you, you're not you don't you don't have to live up to a premiership standard to get a game, and and we've seen it all year, and and like what perplexes me the most is that some of these players that are on you know exorbitant wages or whatever that may be, they haven't even they haven't even been dropped. Yeah, you know, and I think that's more the re. I think that more comes down to the fact that oh, you know, we, we've signed these players up, we've given up picks for them, or whatever that may be. It's like if we drop them, we're undermining what we're doing as a football. One hundred percent. It's an ego Which thing. Is, yeah, 
Exactly, absolutely. And, you, you know, you, you've got to drop the ego now because, mate, as much as the history is aligned with the emblem and the monogram and, and how much that means to members and supporters, like, I mean, that, that that's, you know, they, these players are not setting that standard at the moment. So, as I said, I, I think it's just become a haven for, for players who, who want, you know, big exorbitant wages and, and don't have to don't have to live up to a standard and, and are just going to be guaranteed game time every week. This has just started and I'm already loving it. This is exactly <laughs> what I've needed to hear. <laughs> no, and I, I actually completely agree with both of you. I, I want to make uh, reference to North Melbourne. So they brought in Jared Pollock on quite a significant deal mm-hmm. and they've, you know, they've recognised, you know, he's just not good enough. He doesn't fit what they need right now. So they're not playing him. You know, North aren't going and- out there and worrying about the, what the club will look like, what the media will say. They're doing it, They're doing their business, and they've got a good culture building. And you look at North Melbourne at the end of last GD, listed guys like Pittard and Marley Williams and Vickers Willers, guys that were playing, but they knew they just aren't good enough to, you know, be a regular in that team anymore. So rather than being tempted to play them on your list, you get rid of them. They're just making hard calls. I think Carlton struggle to make the hard calls because we accept these standards on the basis that ah oh, you know he's played 40 games in two years he must be okay it just it really frustrates I, I just think a lot of players at Carlton well do you want to name some who, who you're getting frustrated you know with? I'm always happy to name him so <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we've spoken as in and when these guys play good games like I expect that you know these guys are going to play good games every now and then but I'm like as a collective, like You're someone looking for like, consistency, it's like someone like Zach Fisher. Like he's not a reliable contributor, and you know he's not the worst player on our list. He's not the worst player on our list, but he's just a player that we can afford to live without. And it's someone where you might be able to get a sneaky player back, or you might be able to get a draft. But you just got to keep the list rotating because he looks far too comfortable in the team for me. What are your thoughts, Paolo? Yeah, look, I. And this is by no means an out for him, right? I mean, that, that ankle injury that he had early in the year, I mean, regardless of who you are as a footballer, like, if you're having if you're having in-season surgery on your foot and, you know, trying for to come sure. back from that and everything, whatever that may be, I mean, like, that's it's, it's just, it, it derails your season, right? But that is in by no means any way, shape or form an excuse for for not being able to, to live up to, to a certain standard that, that we expect and, and, and that the club expect. Look, as you said, I think the fact that he's we're not probably gonna miss a player like that. There are probably there's probably hundreds of those blokes in the league, really. And and we look, we, maybe they can get I think I think at the trade table and as a list from a list management perspective, we need to get smart. You know, it doesn't. You know, you're moving players on like that. Like, if, if you're going to get something back in return for something that you really need, like I'm talking like a genuine bona fide midfielder that you can trade him for, then you know it'd almost be negligent for the club not not to look at something like that. And I think, I mean, his name has been branded about for maybe the last. You can you know, I stand corrected here. Maybe in sort of the last month that his name sort of come up yep. on on the trade table. Mm. Yep. Absolutely. So, you know, and, and you speak about consistency of performance and, and you just said there, you know, he's played forty games in two years. I think the the epitome of that is Sam Petrovsky Seaton. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he has not lived up to to anywhere near the expectation we thought of him when, when he first sort of came onto the scene. And and it begs the question, like in his first year we, we got glimpses and saw a player that we thought, Jeez, hey, this guy's gonna be with us for, for the next decade. But ever since then I just I don't know what's 
what what has happened? Is it is it the coaches not developing him properly? Is it us not instilling enough belief in him? I, I I don't know what it is. For me, I think it's my my gut feel is that it's the development of these players and and how hungry we make them and how they develop their own games. But he, he's the epitome, I think, of, of of what you two were sort of mentioning with regards to oh, because he's played forty games in two yeah. seasons, it means he's going to be a good player. Exactly, which, which I completely disagree. You know, I, I I don't think that makes a good player at all. It, it sets your foundation, but then. You've got to go on with that and, and, and set the bar higher and then reach that bar and continue to go like that. 100%. And this is where, I guess, the issue with, you know, Brent, you know Brendan Bolson's 2018 and the first half of 2019, someone like Petreski Seedon was getting a game every single week without any consequence. Irrelevant of his form, he was being picked. Mm. And, that, and this is where that element of comfort comes in for the, these players in our senior team. They know they can get away with, you know weeks of just lackluster performances like Casbolt at the start of this year. Uh, Do you get what I mean? Uh, like in any other yes. team, you're held accountable for that. Well, I mean, you know, it, look, and this is not to pick on one player. No, of like course that. not. It's not about that. For me, I looked at that, right, and I thought to myself, you know, people and the coaches would make the argument that, oh, you know, there's, you know, the, the structure around him and this is how we set up and, and this is how we believe we're going to win. But, well, but if that's not working for you and the bloke's only getting four touches a game and having no impact, isn't that your role as a coach and as a match committee to to, to prove your tactical mouse and find a different way and find players and a way and a style and a system within your, within your playing group and within your tactical ability to be able to find a way to goal, to be able to find a way... To, to deal with, you know, Levi Kasbold not being in the team. I mean, like, him not being in the team, I mean, like, is it is it really going to hurt us? No. You know? Yeah, I agree. There's just zero proactivity from the coach's box at the moment. You were going to say something, Zoo? Yeah, well, they got creative. I mean, we were, we were just asking for some creativity all year surrounding the whole Ruck situation because the Kasbold pitinet duo was not working. No. And it was really evident from the second week. I think, you know, whenever something doesn't work for a week, you can almost make an excuse to see it again. But we saw it, what, eight, nine, ten weeks in a row. The second we were actually forced to do something different because we didn't have the players on our list, you know, we brought Silvani in. It made a mammoth difference. It was just such an upgrade. I mean, Silvani is the best ruckman we've had this year. As bizarre, <laughs> as, as, bizarre as that sounds, and it can sound crazy, him against Grundy and who was and Marshall. and Marshall. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say he towed them both, but he certainly at least beat them both. He did all he could do, and, and that was the creativity we were looking for. That but, was. But I just hate how like a, a creative edge in the coach's box is a last resort. It seems. No, that's what I'm saying. And that's why that's, it shouldn't be. And yeah, and that's why I guess you know the coach is going to. You know, he's going to be... It's going to be close either way with him. Should we get into the game? Yes. <laughs> Let's get oh, into the game. The game. Oh, God. Paolo, I'm going to ask you to kick oh. us off when we talk about this game. What What was the biggest factor in us losing the match yesterday? Do you, Where do you feel, you know, we this really went wrong? Well, I think we completely went away from our short, sharp game that we played against St Kilda and, and, and the disconnect between... Um, us transferring the ball off half back to half forward was was just all for there to see really early in the game and we we just had we had no control of possession and and my my big worry and I think for me the writing was completely on the wall for our head coach this week was that when we were actually in possession 
our inability to break down an opposition defence when we have ball in hand is it would have to be amongst the worst in the AFL. We we cannot slice up teams by foot. We cannot slice up teams by hand. And when we do, we look fantastic. But the problem is we we, we just don't do it for long enough. And and when Mm. it's sort of not going our way, they just completely go back into their shells. And then there's a complete disconnect from the person with ball in hand up the field. You know, so mm. I just think it just and it just all like the way that Gold Coast controlled uncontested possession, easy marks, easy hit ups. I mean, you know, they. I mean, Teague said that. What did he say? He goes, we we tried too hard. Excuse I mean, me, but I I, I, I didn't hear that. Where, I I understand where he's coming from in that regard, whereby you know an opposition player may have ball in hand. Right, and then that certain player is having six or seven Carlton blokes besiege him, and then three mm. or four Gold Coast players are out the back, right? But that is your role as coach to instill that balance into the team. So he's almost, he's almost, you know, for, for lack of a better phrase, he's almost shooting himself in the foot by saying that. Oh, the, you've hit the nail on the head. Honestly, that was, you've summed it up very well. I, I completely agree, and I think you know that exact. Uh, conversation that was evident on the weekend. I mean, you you almost feel as if you know our defensive game gets hurt a lot by players over committing. They don't get back in time. Um, I I've always gotten the sense from our midfield group that it's a midfield group, and this is as a collective. It's a midfield group out to play as individual midfielders rather than as a midfield group because. You know, it real, and you know I've been on this since the Hawthorne game in Perth last year that we just can't defend through the middle. Like, teams just no. score so easily. Yeah. And, you know, for yeah. Gold Coast to control the ball at will, and uncontested marks is always a very evident stat of how, you know, much you're getting smashed, you know, around the ground. Because, you know, they just had total control of the game for a while. And it just it was a lazy performance. And we throw our defenders under the bus. As in, as, as hopeless as Plowman can look sometimes, sometimes he's as hopeless as the defending up the ground. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is where, and, and this is what my concern is. I don't know if you two boys have seen those particular statistics around Jacob Wiedering and Liam Jones winning winning the most one-on-one battles in the AFL. Have you have you boys sort yeah. of seen those those stats? Yep. Yeah, that, that, see, that's alarming to me, right? I, I don't know if that is a directive from coaches to say oh we want one-on-ones in our back line or if it's a case of like opposition just completely breaking us down and getting those one-on-ones because like it's, it's a, like it's a massive outlier um, with those two compared to the rest of the players in that particular statistic so I don't think and and I, I've spoken to sort of an ex an ex coach at, at the club as well who was there recently, and um, he was telling me, and, and I completely agree with him where he said this team itself they actually don't value team defence or defence all those one percenters they just don't. It's so you evident. You can see it. You, you see, but you see it every week, boys. Even even when we win certain games, there are certain passages of play from the opposition where you go and you look at and you look to you look to your mates and you look to yourself and you're like how, how have they got a four on two out the back in their favor it happens every week mm. yeah and, and and this was you know 
<clears throat> and Took Mill yesterday was the perfect example of everything we're not. It was hard two-way running. It was, you know, the game in the balance at halftime. And he just got going. And so did Anderson after halftime. Oh. Ellis was there most of the game. Even Rao lifted as well. But Took Miller's game yesterday was almost the best individual performance we've, I think, been opposed to this year. It was yeah. that good. He was he was fantastic yesterday, and here's a little bit of insight for you as well. The coaches prior to the game said that they weren't going to tag him. You know what? Do you know? Do you know what? Do you know what I dislike about that? I'll tell you what I dislike about that. Yeah. I dislike the fact that you know because I mean the hard tag in the game is I mean I don't know if you two would agree it's pretty much gone. Yeah, mm, agreed. Right. But my issue is that I think, and this is just from me sort of studying psych and all that and reading into the human mind, like if you actually go in and you say to the boys, you know, as, as a midfield group or whoever it may be, it's like, boys, you know, we're not going to tag took today. Um, you know, we, we're going to back in our own ability, blah, 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 right? I actually think subconsciously when you say that to someone, you, 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 you almost lose that respect for the opposition, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Right? That, and that's how I actually think it works the other way, where it's like, okay, well, I understand you're trying to give your players confidence in their ability that they can be able to beat a play like that on their own. But then at the same time, you've also got to look back and think, well, like maybe maybe saying those words actually lessens the respect that we have on that player. So, and we've seen it countless times. I mean, he, he he tore us to shreds yesterday, and and our like our lack of midfield depth. I mean, it, it is. It's wafer thin. It is wafer thin at the moment, and it's it's very alarming considering that we're six years into whatever we're supposed to be in. Yeah. No. I. I look. I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there. I loved. I loved that analysis because um I often wonder. Uh, I wonder about our culture, and I wonder about the, <laughs> the the delivery of message, and I, and I honestly think. I, I, that right there about respecting, you know, the opposition, I honestly don't think we have very much respect for our opposition really most weeks. You know, it, it's one thing to have the confidence to go out there and play your best football and, you know, if that's if that's what they think gets the team going, but I, I don't think it is what gets the team going. I just think, you know, as we've spoken about, it leads to a very lazy, you know, game style almost. I think... Jack Silvani is one who he, I, I love Jack Silvani. I think so he is I. he is yep. the perfect team man. I think Liam Stocker as well. They both just get it. They both just get yep. it. They do their jobs, but they also go in above and beyond and really give everything for the team. I think we've got a lot of players out there who aren't giving everything for the team and it's not even necessarily you know, it's not entirely their fault. You know, it's the delivery of message from above and and I think you've absolutely Hit the nail on the head there. That that example was uh was perfect. I think. Yeah, well, I look at it and I think that like, and and I keep make mentioning I keep making mention of this as well. Is that I, I for me it all filters from top down, you know. So communication channels and and the standards that that executive set, you know, that what they set filters down to the head coach, the head of fitness, then that filters down into the players. And, and their attitudes and their tendencies, you know, when, when things aren't sort of sort of going their way. And, you know, and I, again, it's another thing I keep making mention of. I mean, they mention, you know, we, we, we want to play our way. Okay, well, at the moment, that's probably not good enough. But then you've got to look at it and say, well, well what are we doing when we're not playing our way? How are we reversing mm. that? How are we mitigating the damage from, 
from the opposition. And and I just I haven't I haven't seen it in one iota at all this year. And if we have seen it, it has not been on a consistent basis. And I just think it goes to show it just reeks of unprofessionalism, really. And but it's it's clear that we can't mitigate when we lose control because this is why we get scored against so quickly, so often. Like, this is exactly why. You know, you see though that stat of you know how many times Carlton have conceded five plus goals in a row because we don't have an ability to you know, bring a, you know, wrestle a game back. You know, we, we, we just, there's just no adaptability, I feel. Can I, it, can I make a comment? Yeah. I reckon, I reckon our opposition analysis going into games has to be almost, Ooh. almost one of the worst in the competition. Have you, when this there's, year have we gone into, have we watched a game and thought, gee, like, you know, that was really clever to, you know, well, I think we instigate lost, this or... We lost all faith in that when in the lead up to round two this year, I kept telling you the entire week, someone has to run with Darcy Moore. I kept saying it the entire week. They just have to make him accountable. And there was just absolutely zero thought given to it on the night. And he was... So, yeah, I don't know... It was if, just... I don't know if it's a lack of respect for the opposition, if it's such a... You know, we've got this mentality. We want to well, play do, our well, own way. Maybe the, the list is overrated from above as well. But I'm, I'm saying, you know, when you look at our actual matches against opposition, I just think we don't, we don't put anywhere near enough time into the opposition. I, I feel like we're very focused on our own game, which is a good thing. But it's, you know, it's come to our detriment this year because there's been so many opportunities because we're, because to, we're to not, be creative. Because we're not good enough to rely, you know, only on our own game. If that makes sense. They're correct. Yeah, that's why it's come back to haunt us a bit. Yeah. What are your thoughts, yeah, Paolo? I, I look, and, and I love giving this man a rev up, but I don't know if you boys watch Pommy's scouting report on a weekly basis. Yeah, I've watched it before. It is, like, it is just it, the, the amount of depth that he goes into with regards to breaking down the opposition and, and how we should be nailing them and, yeah. and how we should be stifling them is it, it is it's just incredible and and the, the stuff that i heard from the coaches during the week when they were sort of referring back to, to previous games and where they went wrong and where they went right like Tommy has been like he has been nailing it absolutely nailing it and and the frustrating thing for me is that i am sure that the coach well who knows if we're sure because of the way things are going but they're just if they are not doing that type of due diligence for the opposition and, and realising what their tendencies are, how they move the ball, where they move their ball, who, who the most dangerous player is on that team, you know, who, what, what channels they go through with regards to players they use in certain positions. If the club can't see that or if they are delivering that to the players and that message is not being taken on board, well, it's one of two things. Either the coaches are completely, they're not doing their due diligence and they're negligent, or two, that the players don't believe in the message that they're being told. It has to be one of, it, it, it can't be anything else. It can't be anything else, really, because mm. you, you can't tell me that these players aren't fit enough to run out a game and, and, and run out games as, as, you know, as good as any other opposition in the league. You know, I, I, I don't buy that for one minute. I, I just think it comes down to, to tactical now with with our opposition analysis from the coaches' box, and then transferring that message to the players, and actually and actually making them believe in it and training it as well. Absolutely, and I just want to quickly make reference to Pommy as well because I watched watched him a few times this year, but the one that stood out to me was the Port Adelaide game. And going into that game, he gave his prediction and he analysed the opposition, and I went to that game. And it, it it was just watching his prediction unfold before yeah. our eyes. It was yeah. spot on. Everything he said, you know, it, it went to how he said it would go, 
he predicted us to lose that game, I think he said, by about five goals to 40 points. That was exactly Correct. what happened. Correct. And he absolutely nailed it. And um, no, credit to him, he's brilliant. But you're right. You just wonder, like, you know, surely the club, are, you know, doing the same due diligence. Like, you'd, you'd really like to hope. <laughs> you'd like to hope. <laughs> but see, this is the thing. Even if they are, right, the, the way that they're selling the message might not be getting through to the players because they're not Correct. adhering to so this is why I'm saying that it's got to be one of two things. One, the coaches are not doing their due diligence and they're not um, analysing the opposition with enough, with enough depth um, and then trying to play a style that is going to counter the opposition as well as stifle them. Or two, that the messaging from that opposition analysis is not being delivered clearly or properly to the players. And, and I don't know if you there was there were a few articles in the Herald, uh, in, in few, a few of the papers as well that were saying, you know, that some of the players are, are confused with, with the messaging. But then I go back and say, well, just, just talk, communicate it, talk it out. Honestly. What do we need to do when this happens? I think it's just all miscommunication and, and the communication channel's completely breaking down. Yeah, I, I, firstly, I definitely agree with that. And I also think that the culture doesn't help that, you know. I don't think I've mentioned this, you know, quite a few times on the podcast this year. I don't think we've got a culture of players doing whatever it takes. I don't think they're putting in the absolute extra hard yards, The you know. I don't think they're doing absolutely everything possible. You know, I don't, I just don't, I don't get that feeling. I don't know because, you know, we're not within the four walls of the club. This is just... My opinion, but from what I can see, you know, it just doesn't appear to me like the guys are doing absolutely everything they can to achieve the best result. I just think there's, and and everything ties in with each other. I think the communication breakdown plays a part in that. You know, the fact that I can't remember who wrote that article about our mid-season this this external review that's happening, but Was it Sam f- McCool. Yeah, I think it was Sam McClure. The, yeah. the fact that players are coming forward and saying that they're not sure about the selection integrity, you know, all of this... There's a, just, lot, of, there's a lot of loose ends. It just reeks of yeah. a big mess. It does. And, and you know, for people who say, oh, you know, you don't know the standards inside the club, blah, blah, well, I, I just look at it and say our standards have a sitting 13th and that's yeah. all I need to know. Exactly. It's as simple as that. And, and having lost to... To the Gold Coast Suns, who who have statistically their second half of, of the year for, for the last, I think it's the last five years, has seen them win what I think three or four out of out of like twenty games or something like that. Is it? It's, Correct. It, their, their second half, their second half form has been horrendous over the last couple of years, and and we you know we made them look like we made them look like a good side yesterday, which which is you know and, and it's embarrassing. It's embar- I mean, don't, but this is, and, and we say this in, you know, in, in our Italian, we say it in Italian as well, and the Greeks say it too. Like, don't you have any pride? Don't you have any, mm. any, you know, don't you have any pride in your, aren't you embarrassed to come out and play like that and, and to, to don the Guernsey and play that way? You know, it, it, whether or not you're playing for your members or play for yourself, you know, play, play with some pride in your own performance. I think the thing that really got me during the game was just, was just how much more organised they look. Like, that really... That's that's so alarming. Like, a team that got belted by 16 goals the week before to then just look so much more organised and so much more like a team. It was just... It was really hard to watch. Yeah, belief in what what they've been told after the game. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, um, my my, my yeah. big concern as well is, and I said it before, that the flux in performance just reeks oh. of unprofessionalism. Yeah. Mm. Really, it, it really does. And you talk about organisation, Harrison, as well, and that that's that is that's purely the reason why, and and it could be a host of other reasons. But you know, I, I think. You know, but I don't know. By the by, the time this podcast maybe comes out, by then there, there may be an announcement that that the coach is he's got. I think those are those are the murmurs, and I think I mean obviously that's the that's the overwhelming sentiment within within the fan base. I, I would say so, and that would be one of the reasons the decision has been or will be made to to move him on. You know, structurally it's not been good enough. Um, you know, and 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 the way we've played this year is has not been. Up to the standard that that the clubs that the club have set and, and what the supporters expect as well. I mean, last year we were supposed to the club set finals on the agenda and we failed, and and this year it's going to be it's going to be the same as well. So we'll, we'll find out in the coming days, won't we? Absolutely. I just I, I want to quickly bring up a little discussion here because it's been I, I don't know which side I'm on here. Um, yeah. You look at our 22, right? And you look at our list as a whole, and this list. I truly believe is capable of just so much more. This list, I mean, when you've got an all-Australian fullback and, you know, that referring to Wiedering and then Jones, who's, in my opinion, should be borderline for the 40. I think he's been marvellous this year. Uh, And then you've got the Coleman medalist down the other end. You've got one of the hot favourites for the Brownlow this year in Walsh. And, you know, Cripps, who... The fact, been there and done it. the fact he isn't playing as well as he was in 2019 doesn't mean he's not playing good footy. So you've got real, you know, chess pieces around the ground. And, you know, McKay, Owies and Betts at one point were the most goals for a trio in the competition over. I think it was from when Owies came in up until three weeks ago. So he's got support acts down there. You know, we've got little pieces, puzzle pieces around the ground. The fact that, you know, we are sitting where we are with those types of players in our team tells me one of two things. One, either, you know, the coaching and the messaging and everything that we've just spoken about is so well off. And I think that is the case. Or two, you know, we just don't really have a whole heap outside of those players. I forgot to add Sard in there as well. He's had a marvellous year. Um, You know, I, I personally think with those players in the team and the rest on our list, you know... We're just capable of so much more, yeah. and and no, I just I, I just don't get yeah. it. Yeah, no, I I definitely agree, and and I think the fact that you know people are making the injury excuse up. I mean, we've had nah, our three nah. best players, we've had our three best players on the park all year. Yep. Jets, you know, Walsh, Weeder, and Kai have, have played all year, and and we're still we're still nowhere near it, and they're all in form. They're all in career best form. Yep. Which is which is worrying, but you know you look at every single side and and, and you look at the sides in, in the top four and all that, and you know I mean like all all teams have that sort of those five to six players that are you know absolute out and out guns, you know, and and I think you know we've got that, you know we've got Weedering, Walsh, Mackay, you know you, you could you could argue that you know Charlie's going to be that player, hopefully he, yep. he can get back to to the form that he's shown, and then you've got a guy like maybe Assad. Or, or a Williams that can maybe fit into that, you know, I use the term lucid, but that star sort of star player yep. role. I, but it's it's the sum of all parts, really. That that's that's what it's all about. It, it's it's your bottom. It's the players after that that make up the sum of all parts that that need to be in tandem. And we just haven't seen it this year. I mean, you look at a guy. I mean, look, Paddy Dow's game yesterday. I mean, jeez. The drop. I mean, he only had eight touches. And even Cripps as well. Like, mate, where where was he in that second half? 
Well, I think it was. I think even Walsh, by his standards, was quite poor. Yeah, I I yeah. thought Matt Kennedy was our best midfielder on the day. He was. He was. I thought yeah. Ed Kerno. And that's... I, I had I had Kennedy up there. I thought Newman was our best on, but I think from from a midfield perspective, I, I think I think Matt Kennedy gave us the most drive. Yep. At the most, um, I think he was the mo- I thought he was the most proactive midfielder on the day. Yeah, I have to agree. I just yeah, and uh, the thing is, I mean, even he in the last month has been fabulous. He's really stepped his game up. He's almost saved his career. You'd imagine he'd have to get a contract for next year after what we've seen since that GWS game when he came in uh, earlier in the year. I mean, you know, he's really saved his career. There's just so many players who, you know, they're performing, but you know, they're just let down by everything else around them. Yeah. Um, I think you've I think you've summed it up perfectly. To go back how we got into this discussion about that this list, they're they're not getting the optimal level out of it mm. at the moment. And whether or not that comes back to to the play to the players, the coaches, I think ultimately that's what it's going to be judged on. The fact that we've shown, I mean, we've shown no improvement on on last season really. Um, None. And, and you know, finals was the goal this year, and and I think you know the club obviously rate the list at a certain area. And and I, I believe too that that the coaches are not getting the most out of out of this football club at the moment. Oh, no, I agree. Um, there's a player I'm pretty keen to bring up in terms of a discussion. Mm-hmm. We can base it off the back of yesterday if we want, or just this whole season in general. But the player I want to discuss is Tom DeConning. Now, right, Tommy, I like Tommy. I do. I think he's got the attributes around the ground, which is great. But I guess. And I know we're in a position where we've got no other Ruckman available at the moment, but I'm not sure if it's just me or not, but I'm pretty strong on this. I just feel like he doesn't have the ability to neutralize a Ruck stoppage. He, I, I just don't think he's learned that. And I know he's young. I know he's raw, but I'm just trying to make... I, we've got to hold them accountable to these standards. Like, he's the Ruckman. And I just feel like there's... There's just not a lot of ruck craft at the moment. Like, do you get that sense? I just feel like we get overpowered yeah. in the rucks so often. Yeah, I think I think you know the thing is as well is that if you if you let them get away with it at an early age, yeah, and you let them get away with it for, for the rest of their career, and I think and for for me, I think he puts such an emphasis on winning the ball himself and getting the clearance from a stoppage that he's you know you know to, to sort of mitigate the opposition as well like the defensive aspect of your ruck craft which is great needs to be yeah with that, and that but that needs to be put to the forefront as well you know sometimes you're not going to be able to win the tap sometimes you know the throwing's going to be a bit shallow sometimes yeah. the ball's going to bounce the other way and you've got to get uh, into the frame of mind where okay well that's not going my way what am i going to do to mitigate the opposition ruckman as well and, and not be able you know for, for him not to be able to feed it to his midfield uh, you know on a silver platter and then decision making with ball in hand on his behalf as well yeah. no your limit no your limitations son yeah <laughs> i know no. he did it two weeks in a row against was it geelong and then who yeah. and then collingwood off the halfback flank correct yeah i don't, but, mind, I don't mind him taking those kicks but no just, you know i mean just just you know probably you know keep learning it keep doing it but you know just just know when to do it yeah, I don't want to pick on him because I actually quite like him. I can see a player, but it's just, for me, it's just, I think as a developing young Ruckman in the competition, surely the first thing you want to nail down 
is your ruck craft, which like, like Zach Smith was just like so much more like forceful at like the con- the the boundary throw-ins inside our defensive fifty were actually hard to watch because yeah. like, like yeah. Zach Smith was ragdolling to Conning a little bit like at ruck stoppages it was really distressing. But I do think we've got a player there, but I just, we need an emphasis on rucking. Like the ruckman has to be able to ruck. Yeah, mm. he, he needs to get that bit of, um, and I don't know if this is ever going to be instilled in him, he needs to get a bit of that, you know, that sort of Shane Mumford hard edge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. needs a bit of mongrel. Yeah, yeah. and, and the, I, th- I think this is a knock on a lot of the, a lot of the players in our, in our group. There, there isn't enough mongrel in that team. Yep, yeah, I, I agree. And I think another thing which you lightly touched on before um about players when they and this isn't even just the ruckman it's anyone in our team i i'm of the belief that regardless of age regardless of matches played if you're in the 22 everyone's held accountable to the same extent you shouldn't you shouldn't be given a free pass because you're younger and your debut if you're in the 22 you know there is a standard that you are expected to perform at and i just think there's far too many cop-outs for players we we, we just cut so much slack to so many different players. And we know this for a fact because the coaches say it, you know, when they're interviewed and in press conferences, you know, we've heard it. And so, so we know that this is actually happening. And I just think that is for me where things can go very wrong. When a player is given a cop out, uh, you know, it almost gives them an excuse to perform in the same way the following week. Well, I think therein lies the problem when we date back all the way to, to 2016 when you know we first started this rebuild or whatever the hell it is when you know Brendan Bolton was saying you know we don't want to be defined by wins and losses we want to be defined by pressure but I mean has that has that actually been instilled into the players and is that the mantra that they're carrying down because from my point of view it, like football is it's 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 binary boys you're either winning or you're losing there's no there's nothing in between yeah. like there's no that's all. That's what it's all about. It's about winning and losing. And if you're losing, you know there, there should be no cop out. There should be no oh because he's young, it means we can't win. Because we've stripped back the list, it means we can't win. Because this bloke's injured, it means we can't win. The, the lower you set your standard, right? And and I think this is what we've done as a football club. And I I actually think it's been ingrained into into our supporter base as well. Is that we have just we have brought the narrative. We've bought the narrative for so long, for so long, and, and now people are saying, "Oh, you know, where, where were these people at the start of it?" Well, the club sold it to us, and now we're here because it's not good enough, really. And and I, I think it dates back as, as far as that, really. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It all started then, and I think it's definitely, unfortunately, yeah. really carried over time. So I, I absolutely well, you agree. You said it before, boy. You said it before when you were saying, you know, that that these kids were coming in and and not. You know, they were just getting games because of their age, because they were younger, not yeah. not because they were, not because they were they were hitting a standard. Yep. You know, and I th- I think that's seeped in is that they, they they have become, and you said it too, they they've become comfortable. Well, I think as well, and I've said this before earlier this year, but you look at all the plays we've bought in, right? And there's a plethora of top picks. I think if you look past the 2015 draft, which we absolutely nailed with Weedering, McKay, Kerno, Silvani, Cunningham. You look at the drafts that succeeded that, you know, you've got Dow and O'Brien and Petrovsky Seedon and Fisher and all these top-end picks. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's possible. I don't think it's possible that 
and I'm not saying any of these guys have made it or any of these guys are duds. They're, they're still young. I'm not going to, you know, define their career yet. But right now, I think we can comfortably say that none of them are absolutely cemented in the 22 comfortably. Uh, none of those players are comfortably cemented in there and and are per- performing consistently. You know, I don't think... There, there might be a few. There's, there's definitely a handful. But, you know, the crux of that group... They're not performing consistently at AFL level. And I don't think you can just say... But they know they can get away with those performances because so, there's not much behind yeah. them. So this is what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that... I, I don't think it's possible that we didn't pick up a player that's able to do it. I just think it's our system. It's our culture. It's our development processes. It's everything. It's... Because they've all they're all around the same boat. You can even chuck Setterfield in there. For sure, they're all just nor here nor there. It's all they're all in the same boat. I think that it comes down to as well. Like I mean, just because you've gone to the draft, it doesn't mean that it's going to guarantee you success. Yep. I mean, at the end of the day, we've gone to the draft because we've been handed those picks because we've been poor, because we've been we've been a terrible football club for for, for so long. Mm. Um, and I think, I, I for me, the mould that I always go back to is, look, I, and I know they have an academy or whatever they make. Look at how Sydney do it. They, oh, they, absolutely. they get the best. It's seamless. Of, oh, they they get the best out of pick three to pick one hundred and three. Yep. And and for me, for me, the big thing with the club is that they keep saying that they've invested heavily into the draft, right? And and I. I went back to it and I thought, and I looked at the list this year and I thought, have they? Really? The majority of our list, or half of our list, is actually made up with recruits from other clubs. Mm. Right. And, and you know, Pommy and I were doing an analysis on this and I made light of it to him and he did some stuff that he was looking at it. Without without Charlie and Marchbank in the team, excluding them because they've been injured, I think over the last two to three years, I think 48% of our 25 most used players are recruits from other teams, right? And what I find ironic in all of this, our best players are actually players that we've drafted. Mackay, Walsh, Wiedering, Charlie, you, you could argue Cunningham up there as well, um, and Cripps too. So I actually don't think the club have gone all the way in the draft. And I, I don't think you can set a good club culture with guys that are coming in from other clubs. I, I just don't think you can. Uh, I... I... I don't disagree with that at all. I think it's a really interesting conversation. Um, and, and yeah, I, I just want to also go back to your point about the draft, you know, how we keep saying that we heavily invested into the draft. I look at the later picks that we've made. I know Williamson was a late pick and, you know, he's playing, he's had a disappointing year. But, you know, you look at some of the late picks that we've had in drafts and they just haven't even gotten close to AFL. Like, not even, never in the conversation, not even close, never had a standout VFL performance. I mean, I do think, you know, there's the argument Ben Silvani was stiff to cut him so quickly, but the guy who we took with him, Finbar O'Dwyer, late in that draft, just never even got close. It wasn't, you know, never an emergency, never even in the question, you know, never close. And, And I used him as an example, but there's a bunch of them. Uh, let's be honest, there is a large group of players who can fall into that category, who walk into yeah. the doors, never even look close and walk straight out. And I just think yeah. that is that is the difference, you it's know? It's a waste of time. Yeah, exactly. 
Exactly. Paolo, before we let you go, I want to just shoot a couple of questions through to you. Yes. The go first ahead. one the first one is looking ahead at players who we could possibly get for the two thousand and twenty two season, who are the ones who tickle your fancy and who are the ones who you'd be prioritizing uh as the football club to bring in? Oh look, I mean I mean Adam Chair is the one, clearly. Um we we just we need we need midfielders. We we are in desperate need. Of, of genuine gun midfielders. But at the same time, I look at it and think, oh, I don't want to be giving up too much mm. at the end of it because I still think the draft is where you need to to, to have a crack at at, um, at bringing players in, really. that I, I, For me, this year, he's the player that I'd be clearly looking at and, and he's the name that's been obviously branded about for the last couple of months. But I, I don't think that that is just going to be I don't think that that's just going to switch us on as a football club. But uh, he, he's the one that I would be, I'd be, uh, I'd be grabbing. No, I'm very, very hot on Adam Chera after watching him exclusively the last fortnight. The other one I think that's going to be, I guess, around the marks, Lipinski from the Bulldogs. I, I think that's a player that's going to be gettable. He's clearly he's been on the outer for a while under Beveridge, and I think it's a player that would be able to slot into a Carlton team. Do you reckon he's someone that's, I guess? Guessable, or you know, someone that you'd like around. Yeah, but see, this is where see, like a player like that would be great. But for me, the way I'm looking at it is that okay, well, great, bring bring these sort of players in who who are, who are you know good footballers. But yep. I don't want to be losing our position in the draft. That that's my that's my bugbear. That yep. is my bugbear. At I the moment. Yeah. Because I, I look at I look at what we did with Sadi and Saad last year, and you know, granted, he's been he's been good for us this year. And, and then I look back at, at the guys that Essendon have picked up as a result of, of that trade, and I think, geez, again, maybe maybe we should hold on to those picks and, and go back to the draft. And the argument can be made with Port Adelaide too. I mean, you look at the three fellas they bought in mm. the draft, Rosie, Dersmer and Butters. You know, you, you've got to be smart. You've, you've got to be smart with these things. So, look, personally, guy, fringe players from other clubs... Maybe, I don't know, if you're giving up a very minuscule amount for them in the draft or they're a free agent, yes. The, the big players you want to go after are maybe free agents. But again, I mean, do we have the cap space? For well, me, and as I said before, it's got to be Chera. It has to be a midfielder. It has to be yeah, a midfielder. No, and I'm not talking a halfback flanker that we're going to try and turn into a midfielder, a genuine yeah. midfielder. I completely agree. And I, I say this so much, I probably sound like a broken record this year, but... The Zach Williams recruitment, regardless of how it's gone, it baffles me because when you're giving up that amount of cap space, yep. you need to be giving it up for someone who actually comes as a midfielder. You yeah, know, he needs to be a match winner on that money, mate. Not a halfback flanker who's intercepting, mate. He needs to be a match winner on that type of bosh. Exactly, and and I get the I get the theory behind it. I get the fact that they thought, you know, let's try and mould him into this midfielder. I get that, and that's fine, but you don't do that for someone on that coin. You know, if you're bringing in someone on that coin, they have to be the safest of safe picks that are just, you know what you're getting, you're bringing in a gun, whether it's a midfield or a forward, a defender, whatever position they are, you know, on that money, they need to be worth it, you know, and I don't think any, like, without sounding disrespectful to this position on the ground at all, I don't really think any halfback flanker is worth that coin. You know, regardless of how good they are. Yeah, but it's not for me, mate. I mean, I, I don't denigrate your argument by saying it's deep, but it's not for me, mate. It's I, I don't think it's, I think we have every right to, to demand more from 
from players who who are on who are on sure. wages. And 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 I, w- I would be concerned if they're not demanding more from themselves. Yeah, and, and Jed said the entire season when you're getting plays like this and you're going out to recruit these high-profile players, they have to be the safest picks. As in, there shouldn't be yeah. any doubts or uncertainties. It should just be, we're giving you this six-year contract because we know what we're going to get from you. And we just have been... like. We've deviated so far from that entire concept, you know, with Williams, I guess, as the example. Mm. Mm. Well, why didn't we? Why didn't we go hard for Trelaw? Yeah, well, well that, that that baffles me. That baffled me. Yeah, oh, I <laughs> that one, and we, and he's cheaper. You know, the doggies are paying him six hundred k a year. So maybe he didn't want to come. <laughs> maybe <laughs> who can blame him? Just before we let you go, Paul, I want to ask you. I mean, we we have to bring it up. I. I personally don't love talking about the whole Alistair Clarkson situation, yes, yes, you know, yes, because yes. at the moment Teague is our coach and that's who we've got. But, you know, it would be irresponsible. I do have to ask you, what are your thoughts on, you know, all of that? Would you take Clarko? Do you, do you feel like, well, hang on, there are, there are some people who, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't take him. Would you, would you take him? What are your thoughts? And how would, in, in, an, in your ideal world, how does you know, everything pan out heading into 2022 from a coaching point of view. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they have to go out and pick the best person or the best possible coach fit for the Carlton Football Club. Whether that's Alistair Clarkson or not, only time only time will tell. Um, but I, I, am, I am still a big believer that one person can actually change the mould and the culture and the standards with, within a football club. I mean, you look at Richmond; they 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 base Neil Barm on 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 how they turn their season around as a football manager. He came in and, and he started doing everything for him, and, and they turned it all around. And you know, the big case for it as well. And, and I've spoken to a lot of ex players. You know, Ron Barassi moved in as Carlton coach, and he just changed the culture within within one preseason. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, you've still got to do your, your due diligence around who who you're going to select. Um, look, I mean, if a guy like Alistair Clarkson wants to come to the football club, I mean, you'd be remiss in, in saying no. I, I would think sure. so. But again, look, I mean, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too perturbed if they went for someone untried, like like an Adam Kingsley from from Richmond. Do your due diligence. Find who the best coach is. Find who the best fit for your football club is as well. So, you know, and for me, for me, the way, I mean, I know it's a very, very simple criteria, but I would be looking for someone who has been involved in an AFL premiership as a player or as a coach. And I'd be looking at someone... Someone who has the someone who's not at the end of their tenure, and I don't think Clark. I personally, I don't think Clarko will be there next year. I think he'll take the year off. Yeah. Um, but it may it may even be someone like a Ross Lyon. I know he hasn't won a premiership and doesn't fit that sort of criteria that I'm looking for. But he's taken arguably two of the you know two bang average teams in into grand finals, and maybe he's still got the hunger there. Maybe he's still got it there that he wants to to win a premiership. So again, just. The club need to do their due diligence and they need to get disappointment right. And, and as I said, whether it's an untried coach or an experienced coach, I don't know. But I think the coach itself has to be an authority figure and they have to be regimented in what they're doing, but also at the same time making it a fun environment at the, yeah. at the end of the day. Fun and professional, that's what it needs to be. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And just 
one quick comment. I think from my point of view, I just want an interview process. If they're yes. if, you know, if they're gonna get rid of Teague, you know, that's that's their decision. But they have to be interviewing people. You know, you can't just go out and take Clarkson or you can't take anyone without doing interviews. I don't I don't know one person who we actually interviewed for the job last time, you know, when Teague was appointed. I, I haven't heard of one person who we put through an interview process. Well, there wasn't anyone, was there? Well, I don't think that's what I'm saying. You know, we can't, it's, it should never as be as, sim- as simple as just going out and getting one person without doing a whole interview process. There has yep. to be, we have to have options. You know, we have to have candidates to compare, you know, to compare, you know, we can't just go out and bring in Clarkson. We have to really do our due diligence if we're going to bring in a new coach because, you know, we've done this so many times and we just we can't afford to get it wrong again. I 100 percent agree, but I think the thing is too is that there's no there's no one recipe for success. I mean, the past leaves you clues, but it doesn't guarantee you. It doesn't guarantee you anything. All it guarantees is what happened in the past, really. Um, we, we need you, you, you've got to bring someone who is not going to follow a mould. You want to bring someone in who's going to give the team a competitive edge, something that hasn't been done before, something that's going to yeah. you know get opposition off guard as well. And, and that's what I think. That's what I think needs to happen. So, for the love of God, the club needs to go through the right process and do it properly. Interview and get your shortlist down to whoever it may be, whether that's experience, whether that's an experienced coach or whether it's an untried coach. You should, you know, they're going to set a certain criteria that they want. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's got to come down to the guy who comes up with the best plan to galvanise this football team, to galvanise this football club, to set a premiership winning culture and to a guy who's who's going to, you know, who's going to set, who's going to be the standard setter around the football club from an on-field perspective. No, absolutely, absolutely, Paul. I couldn't agree more. And uh, no, I, seriously, I couldn't agree more with that. You know, that is the most important thing going forward yep. for our football club. Do, 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 you know, I mean, we, we talk about it. Just and, don't do it half-assed. No, exactly. And, and this is this is the problem. And, and you see it out in the field. You know, people are telling me that, oh, yeah, 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 the club, the club, have, we've got off-field right. We've got off-field right, do we? No. Don't know. I, I don't. don't do. I, I don't think but, we do you know, it at all. From a, all right, maybe from a business point of view, we, we have. You know, gee, the, the financials look pretty great. Now what? Mm. You know, no, you, I, I completely that, agree. On field is a replica of uh, on field is a replica of what's going on off the field. You know, and for the for them to say that they've got off field right, and then for them to call an external review into the football club, I mean, that's 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 almost one of the biggest oxymorons I've, I've ever heard of in my life. <laughs> Honestly. Really. Uh, it's it's it's. I mean, it's mate, you're pulling the rug over our eyes, really. So, but this is not to have a go at people and say, "Oh, you're no good." You know, it's just it's all about making. We want this club to be better. We want them to be back up the top, and and vying for premierships within within the few within the coming years. So, you know, you get off field right, you get on field right, and then when you get on field right, the off field comes. So that that's the way I see it, boys. Yeah, I I completely agree, Paolo. Really appreciate you coming on the show provided some really awesome perspective that was and brilliant yeah really appreciate you coming on to join us no no i i appreciate the invite and uh, the inbox and, and the phone number is is always open and, and always on and i think it's nice to have some some productive discussion after all the all the emotion has has worn away from it too so exactly know, it's, it's good fun to talk about it and you know look as i said look people are 
people are going to have negative views on the club. People are going to have positive views on the club. I mean, that every every supporter and, and every human is different. But I know I know for a fact one thing is everyone just wants wants the club to to be back winning again. Yep, couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you, Paolo Bluebag is tuning in. You can head over to Twitter and follow at PaulSeb05, doing some brilliant work for Blue Abroad Media and Bet Deluxe as well. Paolo, thank you so much for joining us on the Blues Footy Podcast. No, no worries, and thanks for getting a, a Bet Deluxe plug in there as well. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll speak soon, gents. Paolo Sebastiani there. Really appreciate him coming on the show and Bolt. I think it's exactly what we needed, that type of discussion, just to sure. go a bit deeper. For sure. No, that was brilliant. That was really good. Now, Bolt, let's move on to the Twitter questions. We're going to speed through them because we have gone over time here, majorly over time, but we couldn't. We couldn't end the call there. It was too good. But let's get through these Twitter questions. And, Bolt, the first one has come in from Michael Cerevoli. He says, boys, is it fair to say the rebuild has failed? Well, I'm not – well, it hasn't succeeded as of yet. It's hard to say it's failed until it – you know, but I guess, you know, going through two coaches within one rebuild – Smells like a bit of a failure to me, doesn't it? It does. I don't think it's failed yet because no. I, all the players we've brought in are still there. I agree and, with that. And, and, it, and it definitely hasn't failed yet. It's definitely not on the path to success But no, it's, it's not what we wanted so far. I think we're a couple years off complete failure. But we'll, we'll if you see. don't make finals in the next two years, I think that's well, when you... Well, I guess this quarter has to be made as quickly as possible so we can move on in either direction. Mm. Morden says at what point do you think we lost it it was early in the fourth for mine they played with a belief that we just didn't have the usuals tried hard but not enough are usuals how do we change this recruiting or development I'm not sure for, for me there wasn't a specific point in the game where we lost it because I felt like you know the game was played you know to how do I put it I, 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 Gold Coast had a lot of control from the start just really weren't you know, we were still kind of scoring, but our scoring dried up after half time. So the second half was a disaster. Mm. Um, and then what was it, development or? Yeah, development or recruiting. So I guess from other Well, I, I, the I still think there's, you know, elements of both. Yep, we have to nail both. Peter Carrick says, where to from here? Is Teague gone? How many players have we overrated? Every couple of weeks we serve up another season's worst performance and I think we've touched on this yeah. largely and, and it's true though you know each loss feels like it's worse than the one before it mm. um and is T gone oh, well I think he'll coach out the season and then they'll make a call but uh, he, he's not in the great position is he well as it stands no he's got two weeks if we beat GWS and Port it's a pretty good end to the season I'd be pretty surprised if he was there personally Wilson says, how do you put a 65-inch TV back together? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> oh, mate, good luck putting that one to get back together. Pira says, I have too many questions, not enough words allowed in a tweet to encompass everything and how I feel. I need to salvage some sort of enjoyment out of my weekend. Well. Yeah, well, I'm sorry that Carlson can't help you there. <laughs> Pira, good luck. Um, Jeremy Cruz says, do we get the impression that T can see the problem but just doesn't have an idea how to solve it? Um, well, it's a good uh, well, question. It is a, it's a great question. It's almost like a philosophical question because I, I, I'd say back to you, if he can see it, why isn't he doing anything about it? So I almost – I think if he could see it, he would. Mm-hmm. I just don't think – I just don't think there's enough tactical nous in the box at the moment. I really don't. Fair. It stresses me that I can see trends before they see trends. 
and I'm, you know, been watching on my couch. Well, you know, that's the question, you know, maybe you're saying, maybe they can see them, they just don't know how to solve them. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure if you can see them, you know, they're seeing it. Yeah. Uh, Tim W says, intensity was well down, but does an opposition game plan dictate tackling pressure? Is it more our defensive setup that allows this game style to go unchecked than a lack of tackling pressure? Yeah, no, the, the defensive game style is so flawed. There's just too many holes and they can't, defend space they can't defend the entirety of a ground which is why teams can get control and we saw when we defended the ground against St Kilda last Friday night there was so much more intensity around the ball because you locked them in and you restricted these chip passes because the the ball was in congestion more often than not Mm. Mm. Uh, Rise again says why would we play Harry as a centre half forward and Charlie deep it doesn't make sense at all it's it's very interesting because I think every Carlton supporter almost thought that Kerno would release Mackay deeper towards goal mm. rather than the other way around. And maybe that's because Kerno's, I guess, not match fit enough to play up the ground and, you know, go get marks at centre half forward. But at the end of the day, you know, yesterday was the game we needed to win and that and it would have been a game, you know, our chances of winning would have been enhanced if Mackay was closer to goal at the end of the day. Absolutely. So it, it, that was bizarre. Uh, and, Can we also and, touch on quickly Walsh starting on a halfback flank? Yeah, I <laughs> It's taken us a while. I don't know how we haven't got to this yet. That was absolutely bonkers. What on earth? I don't, I don't even think there's any explanation there. We, we didn't see him again there for the rest of the game. That was just... It was a bit bizarre. Maybe they tried to rattle the Gold Coast off the first centre bounce. Maybe. Uh, John Gauchi said, What good would a review do? It doesn't change the mentality of these players. It should be unconditional that the moment you pull on the jumper, you give 100%. They've burnt out too many coaches and unfortunately burnt out another one. It's an absolute disgrace. Yeah, well, and that's the other thing. You know, players have to take account for the position they're in as well. Yep, yep. Uh, Daz says, why are we so consistently inconsistent? Yeah, it's, it's a great <laughs> it's, question. It's, it's the million-dollar question. It's the million-dollar question. Um, just a couple more. Uh, Clint Bolton, also about H, he says, what do you think about playing the Coleman medal winner well away from the goals? Do you think we're the easiest team to play in the AFL? Well, but that, that's, and that's the thing. We've spoken about that element of fear when you play against Carlson. You know, no matter where you are on the ladder, you're always a sniff against the Blues going in. And it's an issue we just can't, you know, seem to eradicate. You know, Richmond eradicated it. Mm. They were always that team that no matter where you were, how you were playing, you were half a chance. And playing the Coleman medalist on the wing was, you know, to be honest, just it did ourselves no, it did us no favors. Yeah, no, completely agree. Richard DB says, why put McKay back on the ground when his shoulder was shot? Question for our fitness guru. I think that one. Yeah. I mean, we don't know. Maybe his shoulder yeah. wasn't shot. It's hard to know, but you know, McKay and Walsh will go into next week against Port Adelaide under injury clouds, which could make the trip to the Adelaide Oval a bit scary next week. <laughs> certainly, certainly, Bolt. I think that's all we've got time for today. We've gone well over time. Sorry to have to speed through those Twitter questions. Had to, no, we had to debrief. That was a great conversation. I actually really enjoyed that. No, that was absolutely fantastic. Bluebaggers, once again, head over and give Paul a follow on Twitter at paulseb05. And we'll give a pump up once again to Bet Deluxe. And of course, all the wonderful work he's doing with Blue Abroad Media at Blue Abroad Media. Go check them out. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Bolt. Quick wrap-up, and hopefully next week we come out and perform. I mean, just... We've, we've never won at the Adelaide Oval. True. We've never won there. True. Jeez, that's not nice to hear going into the week. Yeah. <laughs> just quickly, honey, 
Yeah. Good first quarter. Vindic- dropped off a bit. He vindicated. He would that goal where he hit the post would have been massive. I know. I he know. did not. He did. You know what? He's, you can, he's, you can he's, see he's held his own. He's held his own. You honey. can see there's a play there. I think. Yep, he's held his own, so he can be you know pretty happy with himself. Anyone? I mean, anyone new we might see next week? Um, well, with Walsh and H possibly going out. Maybe they'll chuck Ramsey a game now that the season's done. Mm. Maybe. I'm not sure. It's hard. No reserves game at the moment. Yeah. Really kills the development. Hard. Bolt, Blue Baggers, thank you very much for tuning in to another mega edition of the Blues Footy Podcast. We will be back to do it all again next week as the season comes to a close. But Blue Baggers, don't worry. When the home and away season does come to a close, we will still be back to uh, analyse how the off-season goes, especially heading into the draft and trade period. Some big news to come there. Bolt, thank you very much for joining me. We'll no worries. We'll see you next then. week. Go Blues. Been playing against the famous old dark blue.